All right. Talk about uh, uh, ourselves. So uh, I was at Billings, Montana, this last weekend, and uh, we sold some horses. Um, I love that sale, and I love what what uh, what goes on there. I, I love the history, uh, you know. So if you're listening to my podcast and you hear something that offends you, I mean the shoot probably fit. So, if the shoe fits and you got to wear it and you don't like it, you know, you better better do something so that shoe don't fit you no more. So, uh, if I offend you with this, um, I'm not going to apologize. You can not like me. You can say I'm a, you're going to hate me forever. Get in line and switch around and walk. Um, so, so uh, just a little bit of history about this set. So, if, if any of you ever want to read a really, really good book, you need to go and get the book that's titled Where the River Run North. It's written by Sam Morton. And uh, once you read that book, you will understand the history of that area. Okay, from Sheridan to Miles City to Billings, and why it fits. The horse deal is so good. Now, Ike Sankey and I were talking at the at the horse sale preview on Friday, and we kind of agreed that there wasn't ten good horses there at that sale. Um, I'll guarantee on to you, two of the best ones there was the ones that me and my son Ethan offered. Uh, matter of fact, they were probably the best. When push came to shove, when it come right down to the rat killing and the nut cutting, them was the two horses that you was going to use to get a job done. Um, people have been trained for over a hundred years to go to that area of the world to buy good horses. Uh, not saying good horses can't come from anywhere, but that's why that sale works. The, the one constant that we have had in the, the horse industry, and especially in my lifetime, the one constant we have had in going to livestock. So I had, a, I had a, a guy tell me one time he was putting on a horse sale in Utah, and he says, I, I believe that we will grow to be as big or bigger than Billings livestock. And I said, no, sir. And um, his sale was a goddamn joke. Okay, it never started on time. The auctioneer would beg for a $10 bid, an extra $10. He would beg and beg and beg for those bids. It took him six, seven, eight minutes to sell a horse instead of selling 30 horses an hour like Billings Livestock, one or two minutes. You know, and, and his sale is non-existent today. It doesn't even work. Um, his brand inspectors uh, in the state of Utah were complete assholes. Um, if you're a brand inspector in Utah, you know, there's a really, really good chance you fit that complete asshole category. You're just a government socialist slave. So, no part of that. And I told that guy that one day, I says, hey, he says, You'll not, you're not going to outdo them. And I says, you know, it's just, you don't understand the horse industry enough. And he wanted to argue with me, and he had his own little 
opinion about it, and he was, you know, just a, well, he, he just didn't understand the horse industry. He thought that he was really something, and, and truth be known, the only thing that guy's ever been good at is he don't. So, that's why uh, and I knew it wouldn't work. I flat out knew it. He did so many things. It could have been a good sale, and he wrecked it. If you listen to this podcast, I don't give a shit. That's just how it is. You know, I'm a pretty straight-up person. I'll tell you straight-up how it is. So, work this horse sale on Friday, and we're going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you a few things to look for when you're buying a horse. Featured sale is rope horses. September rope horse sale. 24th year they've had the spring rope horse sale at Billings Livestock. Now I ain't saying this is Billings Livestock was hard, was started in 1934. Okay, so and they've been having sales in that area before that, but Billings Livestock itself started as a horse mule market in 1934. So uh, we're sitting there watching this sale and. Uh, course you know a lot of the horses that are to be roped on they had 99 teams of rope horses and every single year that rope is a doggone knife fight okay it is tough we've had the best ropers in the world there we've had nfr qualifiers world champions there and it's tough every year i won second at it this year on, on friday at the preview on second with paul grimes we missed winning it by about a half a second but it's tough, and the only way I could I could be able to do that is I don't care how good you are with your rope. If you're not mounted on a really good horse, you're not going to win. Horsepower is everything. So as as my son and I and I, and I are, are kind of watching this preview go on before the roping started, there's an Amish kid, and he's got a red roan horse that is ugly as what Mary rode to Bethlehem. But he's red roan, so people are interested in him. And he he rides his horse around, and this horse rides like a bicycle in the sand dunes. I mean, this son of a bitch is flat unbroke. But he's taught him a trick. He's taught this horse how to lay down. So he lays him down in front of the crowd in the arena. And then he gets him to stand up, and everybody likes him. It's a trick. It has no practical purpose. But all you dumb shits get into it. Okay, I have never, ever, ever been doctoring cattle, gathering cattle, hunting elk, sorting cattle, roping steers, whatever, and needed to stop in the middle of all of it and lay my horse down. It has no practical purpose. And to be right honest with you, these, these Amish people, and again, if you're Amish and you're listening to this, you know, now you know where we stand. Because I'm so sick and tired of these some bitches getting they 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 buy all these pieces of shit and they go around to all these sales and people are buying them because they think they're buying a quality product from the Amish. But you people are dumber than freaking shit. You need to get your heads out of your asses and realize what works. Okay, um, good horses are getting harder and harder to find, and you will not buy a good horse off a dumbass. You will buy a good horse off a good horseman. But good horses come from good horsemen. They don't come from dumbasses. And 
when this kid tried to, Amish kid tried to rope on that red roan horse that he laid down in front of the cow, he tried to rope on him and the rope would him. He couldn't get within rifle range of a cow. He couldn't hardly get the horse in the box. And it was one of the most appalling things I saw all weekend. That somebody bought that horse and they paid a pretty good penny for it. And I'll guarantee you when they get home, they're not going to like it. They're not going to get along with it. Guarantee you. So, you need to understand that there's a few things to look for when you go to a sale. The horses that we took, like I'll give you an example. The horse I took to that sale, he was eight years old. He was playing sorrel. More world championships have been won on plain sorrels than any other color. So don't think just because it's a buckskin or a roan or black or something that it's going to win. Because it's not. That doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with the quality of the horse. He was eight years old. He was a sorrel. He was a son of sweet little Pepto. I've known son of sweet little Pepto. And I've never, of all the horses I've ridden in my lifetime, rode good and bad of all of them. But I've never owned a bad one by sweet little Pepto. Never swung a leg over sweet little Pepto. I didn't. Now, horse of mine, his mother was a daughter of dual pet. He stood 15-1. He had a size 1 shoe. He had the, the world-class cutting horse pedigree that everybody in the world wants to ride. And he had the bone and shape and size and substance that would please a Montana rancher. He was a solid, finished head horse. He scored like a rock. Ran to the same spot every single time. And he can handle cattle and he can face. I settled the, the cattle for the cutting preview on him. He can stop, turn around, lope off beautifully in both directions, both leads. Neck reined very well. You could put any bridle on him. He rode like a professionally trained great horse. He had a, a cutting horse foundation. I'd hauled him to a lot of cuttings in North Texas and used him for a turn back horse. My wife had rode him and patterned him on the barrels as well. I mean, there just wasn't nothing this horse couldn't do. Except for maybe lay down. And I didn't give a shoot. Okay, that, that was the kind of horse that we took. He could outwalk about anything. He, he could swing them reins and look now. And I'd roped him, dog cattle, and tagged calves on him and used him on my ranch every day. And whoever bought him is going to be proud to ride him. I'm proud to own him. Okay? Um... He wasn't 100% slick because I didn't have him all put up in a climate-controlled barn and all that. He's a ranch horse. Okay, he's a rope horse, too, but he, he's a ranch horse. He makes a living outside. So when he's out there in the mud and sweat and heat and rain and all that, it's going to be really hard for him to look like you know, a show horse. And, and he was not butterball fat because he works for a living. If you see a, a, a horse that's butterball fat... And his tail drags the ground, and his mane is eight feet long, and he's slick and shiny. He doesn't have a scratch on him. And they tell you that they've been ranching on him. They're lying because that, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen, okay? Your 20 acres is not a ranch, so, you know, get out of that. Because when that horse is rode through the brush and rocks and sticks, it, all, that, all that nasty shit's going to pull his tail out. I don't mean he's going to be super short-tailed, but, but he's not going to have that drag the ground tail. He's going to have some scars and some scrapes on him. He's going to get rode too hard to be butterball fat. Okay. And you're going to tell me that that uh, you can ride your horse as hard as you want and 
you can't even lose weight, but I'm going to tell you something. When you come out there and you work with us and you drop that horse for about three hours before you find all the cows and then the work starts, you're going to suck him up and he's going to drop. He's going to lose a lot of weight. So that's why we have to feed so good because them horses get the shit no out. And, uh, you know, that horse that I took to sale was freshly shot. And you can tell me that you don't shoot your ranch horses. But I'm going to tell you something. When you ride where we do day in and day out, if they are not shot, you will crimp them. They will not hold up. If you think you're riding that hard, you're not. And like, I mean, maybe in the Sand Hills of Nebraska you're going to get away with it. But not in the limestone in North Texas. So... If you go to a sale, like like we saw a horse that was a big gray mare. This horse was such a raven damn thing. These people parked next to me, and I got him to move my truck because I thought the horse was going to slam into my brand-new $70,000 truck and dent the side of it. They couldn't bridle it. They couldn't get on it. It was slick and shiny. It was some barrel racing bread thing. And it goes through the ring. And I actually acted pretty good in the cell ring, but whoever bought it must not have looked out back for it. And uh, it was a dink. It was horrible. But it's going to hurt somebody. And it brought $10,000. $10,000. And I can promise you, whoever bought it is not going to get along with it. They're not going to like it, and they will not have a success story. Uh, my son sold a really, really nice red on Gildan that he's used and cowboyed on for the last couple of years on our ranch. He's hauled him to ropings and rodeos everywhere from Texas to Montana, won money all over the place on him, roped wild pigs on him, roped wild cattle on him, calved cows, hauled baby calves to the barn, you name it. This was his A-team, head and heel horse. He was he was all Hancock bred. Uh, he sold him for 18000 and we didn't think that was enough money, but he let him go. He thought he was going to a good home, and... Uh, was that horse a good horse because he was red roan? No. Did we care that he was red roan? No, we didn't. We didn't give a shit what color he was. It's what's under the skin that matters. And so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of these Amish people fucking these sales over and all these people allowing it to happen because they're not, they're not good, they're not good horsemen. They're not good hands. They're not cowboys. I mean, most of them are carpenters and sheep herders and goat herders and and uh, milk cow guys they're not cowboys you know just because they make their own straw hat don't make them horsemen and the rest of you can't see through it you know just because your horse can sit just because your horse can let dogs crawl over him doesn't mean he's going to be worth the shit i was at a sale in arizona one time and uh there was a guy there that had a bunch of dogs that they would come and jump on his horse and ride his horse with him. And his horse could sit down and his horse could lay down and it would do all these tricks. And we had to rope a bunch of cattle. There, this rope horse previewed fresh cattle for about three days and these cattle run hard. And I'll tell you what, if you want to blow a head horse up or a heel horse, especially a head horse, you want to blow one up and go rope a bunch of fresh cattle on them. And if they're sane and put together, well, after about three days... A real fancy blue roan horse would let them dogs ride on them with him and everything else. After about three days, he was coming out of the box on his hind legs. He didn't stay composed. You know, a good friend of mine bought a horse from that same consigner. 
gray horse, give a shitload of money for him, like damn near 50000 He had to set him to a rope horse trainer for six months to fix him because the horse was definitely not there. Buy a horse from a cowboy. Buy a horse from a horseman. And then you're going to have a good experience. You're going to have a success. You know, everybody gets into all that other shit. And you don't. You don't, you don't add up. You know, I mean, we're in the cutting horse business. So there's really not a whole lot of bullshit there. Because at the end of the day, we don't care what color they are. We just want a horse that'll win. One of the best horses going down the road right now. Several of them. I'll name Sanctus. Okay? The Don Van Wales is riding him. Rodrigo de Bogan trained him. Uh, buy a high drive cat out of Sophie Ray. Plain sorrel as they get. If you can beat that horse anytime, anywhere, you're riding a real one. Plain sorrel. One of the other great horses right now going down the road, Catalina Cash, Taryn Rice's horse. He's the son of Ray's Cash. Plain sorrel. If you can beat that son of a bitch, good luck. How about it? Uh, Matt Miller's hit that flow. Uh, really, really nice horse. Bay. Okay. Um, yes, there are a lot of roans out there. Uh, one of the one of the best sires out there right now going. Hottest young, one of the hottest young sires out there going. This is talking style. Plain sorrel. Cutting horse people don't care who they are. Okay. We don't. We just want to win. We want a horse that's smart enough to outthink a cow. Uh, I, I knew people that were infatuated with Pepto Boone's mall back, back in the Pepto days, you know, early 2000s and, and on through there. And all they could tell me about him was he was red roan and he produced roans. But nobody could tell me that he was by Little Peppy and out of Roll Blue Boone. Nobody can tell me how great his parents were, that, that Gary won the fraternity on him. Or that the reason Gary won the fraternity on him was he had that last cow that was just phenomenal. Uh, nobody can tell me that. But they knew who he was because he was a red drop. You know? So, and, and I think that's why a lot of the buckaroos and the Nevada people and Montana people and all that got into him. Because... You know, that that's kind of a lot a lot to do with metallic cat. Everybody wants a metallic cat. They want these wrong metallic cats. And it's like, but have you really thought this through? I mean, the reason that they like them is because they're they're talented, they're big stoppers, and they're extremely thoughtful. Um, but chances are, you know, I had a guy. We talked about horse breeding the other day, and and I had a guy ask me my about my about my criteria for breeders. Color really is the last thing on my mind because when you have a batch of colts in a corral and, and somebody comes by to look at them and they uh, see, let's, let's, let's pretend that we've got one blue roan and then the rest are basic sarcas and they all are fairly identical confirmation-wise. And they're all, let's say, stud colts because nobody's smart enough to realize that getting married is the best thing ever. So, the, the blue roan's probably going to always sell for more money. Always. 
but in seven years, he may not be the best horse. Chances are he won't be the best horse. Okay. I'm looking for horses. I want I want people to come to me with a success story and say, you know, we bought that Tarl Philly from you, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, and I want this, 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 and this on it, and it's the best horse we got, and we want another. I had a guy send me a message on Facebook this morning that's bought four or five colts from us, all sired by my stallion, and, and he's a cutter. He's a really good hand. So he's a horseman and he knows what they're like. And I don't think he's ever bought anything but a sorrow from us, a plain sorrow. Because they just happen to be what he wants. He don't care what color they are, he just wants to win. So, um, you know, years ago we were we were moving some cows and, and uh, up in Wyoming and and I had a sorrow mare, the Blanc Mont Charles that I trained, and that mare her name was Penny, and she was a fast walking horse. She was a good cutting horse, good rope horse. I did it all on her before she was done. Well, we go to come back after we got the cows moved and paired up up the mountains, up in that green pasture, but Smith's Fork here, that are way up the mountains. We go to come back, and, and uh, somebody said something about let's have a walking race back to the truck. Now, everybody knew that that uh, fast walking horse on a ranch is a very valuable asset. You don't want to lope and run everywhere. You should have a good fast walking horse or something. So we're coming back and anyways somebody said, can that horse here walk? I said, that's one thing she can do is she can march. She can really get out there and travel. And this other guy says she, uh, you know, that, that sorrow won't have walked my roan. Well, color didn't have anything to do with it stupid son of a bitch thought he thought he knew something and I didn't say a word I just started walking and my horse was walking along and swinging them reins and uh, somebody had went back ahead of us an hour or two back ahead of us to get the pickup and the trailer to come up and pick everybody up because it's eight or nine miles out of there and in about 35 minutes I have no idea where everybody else was because they were so far behind me going up over the hills and down through the little valleys and everything else up there in the mountains of Wyoming. I was so far ahead of them, nobody came to see me. The guy on his roan, I mean, that, that horse could not walk in turtle. But he thought because he had a roan and I had a sorrow that he had a better quality horse that makes he was colorblind. And you people got to get your heads out of your asses and realize that the West was won on a bay horse, not a Palomino. Bill Parker used to say that all the time, and that's just how it is. Uh, but a, a color doesn't have anything to do with it. When somebody tells me they're looking for a horse, and I say, okay, what are you looking for? They'll give me a long list, and then at the end of the list, it's so funny, some of them will say, not a bay or a circle. Or not a mare. Or not a gilded. Well, that's a pretty good way to limit yourself. The greatest heel horse I ever had was a plain sorrel slash chestnut mare. If I would have said no sorrels and no mares, I would have not been able to give myself the opportunity 
win buckles, saddles, trailers, thousands of dollars, go to the World Series final and rope every single freaking steer right in the spot I wanted to. Because I would have taken that opportunity away from myself by, by saying no matters and no sorrows. So when you're looking, if it's a fit, it's a fit. You know? Because it doesn't matter what's on top, it matters what's underneath. And, you know, it's kind of like if I go to the car dealership and I say, I want a white truck. And they've got all these Dodges and Fords and Chevys, and they're all black and, and red. But I want a white truck. The only white truck they have is in one of them little mini Nissan trucks. So that's the truck I buy because I wanted a white truck. And I'm pissed off because it won't pull my 25-foot horse truck. Pull a nine horses. Same concept. But you got a white truck, right? You wanted a white. Color mattered. But performance did not. You weren't smart enough to look under the hood. You weren't smart enough to see that it clearly was not worth it. Because you were so concerned with color. So I, like I say, I don't really care what color the horse is. I want to know if he can perform. You know, kind of like when I get ready to hire somebody to ranch help, barn help, or whatever we need. Do I put only white females or only white males or only black females or only black males or only Hispanic people? No. I say I need barn help. Whoever can do the job, get your ass over here. You know, and trust me, I've had them with pretty much every color that weren't worth a shit to. So, you know, there's a pretty good chance that what you're missing in life is due to your own colorblindness. The success that you're missing is your own fault. You need to be able to overlook that stuff. I don't give a shit if that horse can. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. Not one single horse that was in the short round of that of that really tough team roping the other day. Not one single horse that did well at that roping the other day and was capable of doing a job and pleasing the rider or the rancher, rodeo guy. Not one of them horses really did any tricks. They all just rode. So, you know, stop looking at all that dumb shit. Let's get down to what matters, you know. Um, years ago, uh, everybody had these stories about how their dad had a horse, their grandpa had a horse, they didn't buck, they just went to work. But I'll bet you money, the majority of the horses he grew up on not flashy roans and beautiful all these colors. A lot of them, at least in the West, the cow horses king and where I live, a lot of them were probably sorrels and bays and well-broke horses and and uh, trust me, they weren't as butterball fat as you probably remember them. If they were in any kind of ranch setting, they probably been used and they probably could walk up a ramp to get in a trailer. They probably 
you know, we, I never had, we never had a horse that was close to every horse we had, we jumped in the back of the pickup. Because that's how we hauled them. We'd haul them in a one-ton international truck with stock rack on the back, and, and it was a three-and-a-half-foot jump, almost four feet into the back of this truck. Had a four-foot door on it. And we could saddle a horse at four o'clock in the morning with your rifle scabbard on him and throw the stirrups up over the saddle and jump him in there and he wouldn't even scrape the saddle as he belled in there in the dark at four o'clock in the morning. That's how good horses are made. Hard work makes good horses and good men. But you know, there there's a lot of horse sales in this country going on and I know people are saying, uh, you know, if you, if it's at an auction, why would you why would you sell a good horse at an auction? An auction doesn't mean he's going to kill me, okay? So get that shit out of your head. A lot of different reasons we have to sell them at an auction. Most of it is because we don't work in an office like the rest of them. We don't work downtown like the rest of them. When it's time to cash in, when we need the money, we got to feed our families, we got to sell for good horses. It's a time and money thing. Some people have more money than time. Some people have more time than money. It's what we choose in life. So, you know, some people choose to go out there in the world and make a lot of money in the business sector of Wall Street or whatever. Um, And then they don't have the skill set. It's not just a time thing. It's it's also impressive. It's a skill. They don't have the skill set to make those good horses, so they have to buy them. Other people, maybe didn't use their college education or didn't go to college and spent their time working on ranches and working for horsemen and learning their trade. They don't make as much money, but they spend their time on the ranch in the arena and the barn. And, and so when it's time for them to get the money for a down payment on a house, on a truck, for kids' school clothes, put food on the table, the light bill, the whole nine yards, that sell their horses. Does that mean they're destitute, broke, low lives, bums? Hell no, I hope not, because that's how I make my living in the, in the livestock industry. And once that hammer falls, it's open. You own it. Nobody held a gun to your head. You need to shop through your horses and learn about them, find the good ones, and then understand that a good horse will ride for a good horseman. A shitty horse won't ride good for anybody. But a good horse rides good for a good horse. And so, uh, just some things to think about. What I saw, you can do with this what you like. Um, but this is, these are some truths of the horse industry. And uh, you can tell me that I'm right, I'm wrong, whatever seems to work for me. It seems to work at the level of which I have to compete. And so... Uh, you know, like I say, a lot of stupid tricks don't get into them. They're, they're not practical. They don't work. Let's get down to the basics. You know, let's let's stick to what works. Kind of funny how beginning riders want to work on intermediate things. Intermediate riders want to work on advanced things. And advanced riders, great horsemen always stick to the basics. That's how it works. So, um, just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, 
had a long drive on the way back from Montana. Um, I'm cruising across the plains of Texas this morning, and, and, and I'm going to be home in a couple of hours. We go to work. So I just thought I'd, I'd let y'all know what I think. How some of the dumb stuff that I see and uh, how you can get around, you know. So, have a good one, folks. This is Scott Hill from somewhere on the plains of Texas.